0: My name is Foggy Jack, and I'm the shock Bazaar mental mentalist, and the host of the Foggy Jack live podcast. Now, let's head on down to the pumpkin patch for more.
1: Now, Roma Wines presents...
2: Suspense. Tonight, Actors Blood, written and told to us by Ben Hecht and starring Frederick March.
1: Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now, a glassful would be very pleasant, as Roma Wines bring you. Suspense!
2: This is the man in black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, to raise the curtain on a presentation unique in these weekly half hours of suspense. Tonight from Hollywood, Roma Wines bring you a star of the first magnitude, Mr. Frederick March. And in person, one of America's foremost tellers of tales, Mr. Ben Hecht of Broadway and Hollywood, who will appear as actor and narrator in a suspense play dealing with the mysterious death and the twisted passions and loyalties of the world behind the footlights. And so with actor's blood and with the performance of Frederick Mart, supported by Ben Hecht, from whom we will hear the narrative in the author's own words, we again hope to keep you in suspense.
3: Remember Maurice Tilley? Probably not. Only students of the theater or people old enough to have applauded the heyday of Mrs. Leslie Carter and John Drew and the theatrical didos of the divine Sarah would be likely to remember. During the years I knew him, I saw him in harness but three times once in a revival, once at a benefit, and the third time was the occasion of the anecdote I've set out to relate. By that time, his only claim to fame was the fact that he was the father of Marsha Tillyu. On a summer night in 1927, Marcia made a final exit worthy of the Tilio tradition. For weeks after it happened, old Tillyu went around like the ancient mariner, holding with his baleful eye and his mournful song whoever crossed upon his path. But after a while, he too seemed to drop out of sight in the wake of his glamorous daughter, And like her, was forgotten. Then late one night, as I was getting ready for bed, the bells of my apartment rang. Ben, I come with a message from the dead. Indeed. Well, come on in and tell me about it. Ben, do you believe in ghosts? I've got nothing against them. Good. I have just come from a miserable modern dress caricature of that greatest of the Bard's plays, Macbeth. You will scarcely credit what these upstarts have done to Shakespeare's masterpiece. They haven't altered the text, have they? You recall the fourth scene of the third act? Oh, yes. The scene in which Banquo's ghost appears. Just so. In the folio edition of the play, the stage directions clearly read the ghost of Banquo enters and sits in Macbeth's place. In the foul production which I have just witnessed, the ghost does no such thing. It is an empty chair to which Macbeth shrieks his guilty line. Thou canst not say I did it. Never shake thy gory locks at me. An invisible ghost, eh? That's not so illogical. But what drama is there in? Can we feel Macbeth's terror if it's an empty stool at which he shouts. want and quit my sight. Let the earth hide thee. Thy bones are mirrorless. Thy blood is cold. Thou hast no speculation in those eyes which thou dost glare with. The way you read those lines, sir, I have no trouble seeing this ghost. Thank you. Now listen. I am going to produce that scene in modern dress. It's not going to be an Ambi production such as the one I witnessed tonight. I am going to give a banquet at my home, and there is going to be a place set at the table for my daughter, Marsha. Look, Maurice, I'm very fond of you, but, uh... Ah, You are wondering why, aren't you, my boy? <laughs> like Hamlet, I am but mad north-northwest. The empty place at the table will be purely symbolic, I assure you. And no apparitions will appear, not to you and me at any rate. I cannot guarantee what my daughter's murderer will see there. Marsh's murderer will be there? They will all be there. All who loved her, all who hated her. And woe to the hand that shed this costly blood. But if you know who the murderer is, why don't you tell the police? Ah, the police. My daughter, sir, would not have wanted so crude and sordid an epilogue to her life story. Like her father before her and my parents before me, she had actor's blood in her veins. She shall be avenged, my friend. But it will be no affair of handcuffs and policemen. I'll not go whining on Marsha's behalf among the cigar butts and cuspidors in some precinct station. No, no. Her murderer shall be unmasked at a mighty banquet. On Friday next at eight thirty, curtain time, my friend. I'll see you there. Yes, yes, I'll be there.
2: With Ben Heck in person as the narrator of his own story, and with Frederick March as star, you have heard the prologue to Actors' Blood, tonight's tale of suspense. And now,
1: in this brief intermission, let us picture a scene beneath a radiant Caribbean moon at the fashionable Hotel Nacional de Cuba in Havana. An American dinner guest has just raised his glass in a toast to Havana. Its traditions, its beauty, the superb dinner and wine. His Cuban host replies, True, the traditions, the scenery, and the food you enjoy, they are Cuban. But the wine of which you speak so highly, that is of your country. It is the famed Roma wine made in your own California. Yes, it may surprise you that California produces Roma wines of such uniformly superb quality that they are imported by many foreign countries. But millions of Americans do know and enjoy the excellence of Roma wines daily with meals and when entertaining. These millions have made Roma America's largest selling wines. They know, too, that Roma wines are amazingly inexpensive, only pennies a glass, for wines of such distinguished character. That's because here in America, you pay no high import duty, no expensive shipping charges for Roma, wines that combine age-old winemaking skill with modern testing and quality control. So, ask for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, made in California, California. For enjoyment throughout the world.
2: And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our sound stage Mr. Ben Hecht, narrator and author of Actor's Blood, starring Frederick March, tonight's tale of suspense. <laughs>
3: It rained on that Friday night. Thunder rolled in the sky, and the streets were full of that picnic-like confusion which a storm brings to the city. Waiting under the hotel awning for a taxi, I turned over in my mind the strange invitation that had brought me out into this wild and stormy night. I was rather thrilled at the prospects of Old Tilly's dinner, for his intention was plain to assemble a company of suspects in the murder of his daughter, Marcia, And he was obviously going to climax the evening by some formal accusation of guilt. I knew pretty well who the suspects were, and I suppose I was one of them. Alfred O'Shea would be there, of course. Alfred O'Shea. The man who had written Marcia Tillieu's first successful play, and her last. Broadway had its own private joke about the title of the last. It was called Forgotten Lady. It was after the final curtain of the last performance of Forgotten Lady that Alfred O'Shea chose to tell her. Marcia told the story at the time as a joke on herself.
1: Hello, Marcia.
4: Oh, why, darling, you waited for me in my dressing room. Like old times, I'm touched really touched.
1: Look, sweetheart, you're off stage now, so cut the burn You know why I'm here. I do. All right, I'll say it again. I'll say it for the last time. I want a divorce. I want to marry Rena Kratznoff.
4: I want to marry Rena Kratznoff. Oh, it's such a bad line, and from such a great playwright. No, dear Alfred, not for her. It would be too belittling a successor. Can't you see, darling, after all we've been to each other, it's why, it's like Cygnalian wanting to trade in his beautiful Galatea for a wooden Indian.
1: And it's no dice, huh?
4: No dice, Alfred. No divorce. Not as long as I live. Now, be a darling and help me out of this dress.
1: Okay, Marsha, you've just made your own bargain.
4: You can come out from behind that screen now, Father.
3: How did you know I was there?
4: Your asthma, darling. I'm glad you're here, even if you are a perfectly fiendish old eavesdropper. Here, you can unhook me since that swine refused I to. I warned
3: you against marrying that jackanapes of a playwright, Marsha.
4: Oh, Father. You're saying I told you so. What I really wanted was to weep on your shoulder. Ow!
3: I'm sorry, sorry. Look here, Marsha. What are you going to do about this career?
4: Now, of yours? darling, please don't go into that old routine about my being the last scion of the royal family of the American theater. I'm nothing but a combination of your name and a playwright who specializes in shallow, brittle female leads that enable me to get applauded by simply acting Marcia, myself.
5: Mush. won't
3: allow you to speak this way about yourself. You're a great artist. Oh, you've taken your place in the great tradition of the stage beside the immortal figures of. Rochelle, Siddons, Bernhardt, and just Marcia, let O'Shea go. He was never worthy of you. Play Juliet next season. Show them, show them you don't need a fashionable playwright and tailor-made parts to succeed. Show them you have actor's blood.
4: Actor's blood? Actor's blood? I'm sick of hearing about it. Just because you and mother thought it was cute to stick me out there behind the footlights at the age of five. Because you never had any real life. You didn't see any reason why your daughter should have. I'm supposed to have actors.
3: Do. All right, all right, all right. I'm only thinking of you, Marsha. Only of you. But that O'Shea is a hot-headed Irishman. He came very near to threatening your life when you refused to do as he asked.
4: Good. I wish he would kill me. I'm sick of the whole rotten business.
3: Yes, O'Shea was a suspect. He would be at old Tillieu's dinner. He would be seated across the table from the empty chair. And would he see a Banquo's ghost of Marsha Tillieu? But O'Shea would be in a goodly company of suspects. Fritz von Klauber would be there for sure. Fitzvon Klauber. Not a man I should have liked to have as an enemy, that. Abnormally sensitive to insult, Von Klauber was possessed also of an impenetrable Prussian stupidity. His first American production was a play called Jubilee for the Spring, and Marcia Tilley, starred in it, was the most sensational flop of the Broadway season. After the first night performance in the 21 Club... Marsha held her own private autopsy on Von Klauber's dead turkey.
4: You see, darlings, Mr. Von Klauber, my esteemed producer, loves his turkey farm so much, he sometimes forgets he's on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Terrific, Marsha. How about that for my car? No, so, Walter, <laughs> anything
4: at all that's all yours exclusive. Marsha, so. sh- Von Klauber, he's over there
3: at the next table. He's heard every word.
4: Good, let him hear. He's going to hear from me in the morning anyway when I start looking for a new producer. <laughs> Take my sweet Marsha, go ahead, drag me in public.
5: I could kill you for this, do you hear me? I could kill you.
4: Oh, you could, darling. Well, if my beloved husband doesn't do me in as he keeps threatening to do, perhaps I'll ask you to oblige. I may yet be spared the nuisance of doing the job myself. Marsha,
3: I forbid you to talk like this.
4: Sorry, Father. Must be the actor's blood cropping up again.
5: (laughs)
3: Yes, Von Klauber would surely be present at Tillyu's ghostly dinner. As I got into the taxi and gave the driver Tillyu's address, my mind was still turning upon the terrible question I was confident would be answered tonight. The question, who killed Marge Tillyu? Third on my list of suspects was a character named Maury Stein. Maury Stein. A one-time racing tout and small-time gangster... Maury turned his brilliant, if slightly frightening talent to flesh-peddling. That is to say, he was a theatrical agent. Marcia did two shows under his management, both of them flops. It wasn't her fault. There was no belittlement of the name Tillieu. It was still an electric sign, but growing ghostly, slipping still aglow into the side streets of fame. Maury Stein was Marcia Tillieu's last substitute for love.
4: Stop staring at
3: that door.
4: Let's get out of here. Oh, relax. This is a charming room. I like it here.
3: Look, chick, I said let's get out of here. Understand?
4: Perfectly. I understand that Mrs. Maury Stein may come walking in that door. Perhaps she'll put two and two together about us. That'd make you sad, wouldn't it? Because you've signed over all your unscrupulously earned money to your good wife. Oh, just in case questions should be asked, you know. And if she gets any ideas, she may cut you off without a dime, and then. Shut well, up. <laughs> you know I've half a mind. Did to... you hear what
3: I said? Shut up. Never so much as to uh, pick up your coat. We're
4: gone. Maury, you are a worm, a despicable, slimy little worm.
3: Sister, nobody talks to Maury Stein like that and gets away with it. See, nobody. There was to be one more opening night in Marcia Tilleyu's career, and ironically enough the three men she had caused to fear most of all her enemies were doing the honors. O'Shea had written it, Von Klauber was the producer, and Maury Stein had put up the money. I arrived backstage at the Broadhurst at eight twenty to find the three of them in hysterics, ten minutes to curtain time and no Marcia. I found old Tillyu sitting in her dressing room, nursing a sprained ankle and very upset. Ben, Ben, I'm worried. For the first time, I'm really worried about Marsha. What's the matter? I I don't know. We've been calling her hotel since six o'clock. She refuses to answer the phone. Ben, go over there. You're the only one she listened to. No Tilly has ever missed a performance, and Marsha of all people must not be the first. It's those villains out there who've done this. Spreading insidious poison like Iago carrying it her hot with her fangs until she's afraid to go on. Go, Ben. Try to reason with her. Okay, Pop. I'll do my best to bring her back. I trotted the three blocks to Marge's hotel. The clerk at the desk met me with a dead pan.
1: Nope, Mr. Hank. Miss Tilly, hasn't come down yet, no key in her box. I
3: took the elevator up. I turned left and walked down the corridor. I knocked on the door. No answer. I tried the knob. The door opened. And then it all added up. Yes, it added up to a gaudy room and shambles, mirrors smashed, perfume bottles shattered. The portrait of Marcia is pierced, cut to ribbons. And finally it added up to Marcia herself, cold and white and terribly beautiful, lying there on the bed with three round bullet holes in a neat triangle just over the heart. There was no mistaking it. Marcia Tillieu was dead, murdered. That was the sum total of the addition I was doing in my head as I rode in a taxi the twenty blocks from my hotel to old Tilio's house on West eighty fourth Street. Maybe I added it up wrong, but I felt sure I hadn't. I was even more certain when I saw old Tilio standing there at the head of the table to greet the guests he had assembled on the promise of revealing the identity of Marsh's murderer.
5: Promptly at eight thirty,
3: he made his entrance. He had brought a stranger into the room with him.
5: Uh,
3: thank you. Thank you, all of you, for waiting so patiently. I trust you found your mutual company not too tiresome. <clears throat> I should like to introduce my guest of honor. May I present Mr. Carl Schutler of the uh, District Attorney's Office. Well, yeah. Yeah. And now, if, if you will all be seated, the place cards are plainly marked. Please, please do not disarrange. Yeah. <laughs>
5: yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Thank you, Alfred. Well, I see one short. And who may I ask is that empty place for? Banquo's Gold? <laughs> that, my dear Mr. Van Glauber, is for a beloved guest known to all of you. Beloved guest, huh? Well, let's see now. <laughs> Well, well. Hey, listen to this.
1: The seat has indeed been reserved for one uh, known to all of us. Who is it? It's been reserved for Marcia Tillyo. What's the Oh, a...
4: please, I'd like to change my
5: place. Come on, sit down.
1: Marcia was never. She was too sensible to play
3: goat. I. I am an old actor. With the audience seated and the curtain up, I find it hard to wait. Art is long, but time is fleeting, and there is one who bids me speak. Love, hear thou, how desolate the heart is ever calling, ever unanswered, and the dark rain falling, then as now. You are wondering if I really believe my daughter Marcia is present. ...in this galaxy of her friends. It may be the wandering wits of an old man... ...but I see her sitting there... ...tragic and beautiful... ...about her the sound of rain... ...and of sweet bells jangling out of tune. Forgive me. You... ...you have not come here tonight... ...to hear a doting father spread his miseries before you... ...but for a sterner business... Which, from your courtesy or attentiveness, I feel sure you have guessed. Mr. Schutler asked me to tell him this matter privately, but I refused. For you are all her friends. Her honorable friends. And I wanted you present.
5: Who killed my daughter? Who took her life?
3: There, there's the question. I have the answer. Yes, Mr. Schutler, the murderer is here. He sits here among us now, at my
2: table. Shall I lock the door now, Mr. Tillyer? Yes, Why, yes,
3: you lock, the lock the door. door. Lock what it do tight. Leave door. no chance
2: for escape. Ha <laughs> ha! It's too late now.
3: No power in heaven or earth can save him. All right, Mr. you the door's locked. My friends, is this not like a plane? Your face is waiting for the name, the name of Iscariot, the Judas. <coughs> that's it, that's it. Clear your throat. Biggest worm. Look about you. Who knows? The villain may be right beside you. And who knows but that you may be his next victim. The... Uh, Mr. Tilly... I I keep my promise, Mr. Schutcher. I have the proofs, all of them. Enough to send the murderer from this table to the gallows. The one who killed Marsha is looking at me now. Ah, the blood on his hands. The terror in his eyes. I'll tell you his name. His name is.
5: Look! Let me go! Let me go! He's killing me! Everybody, where sit down! Set down! Set down! Tonight! Tonight! Oh my god! Oh my god! Silly Where are you? He's killing me! He's killing He's. Uh. 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 (coughs) Uh. Uh.
3: Dagger handle protruded from old Tilleyou's crimson shirt front. His eyes were closed. We carried him into the next room and waited outside while the doctor worked over him.
5: Uh, Mr. Heck?
3: I'm Ben Heck, Doctor.
2: Oh. Will you come in, please? He's asking for you. Doctor, is he, uh. The knife some... pierced the heart. He hasn't much longer. Uh. Uh, Ben. Ben,
3: is that, is that you, Ben? Yes, it's me. Who did it? Here, uh, yeah, lean over so I can see your face. Uh, there, satisfied? Something fell out of my pocket. What? Wait, wait. What? what is that? Why, it's a letter. I must have stuck it into the pocket of the suit the last time I wore it. Wait, but what, what's in that letter, Ben? I don't know. I haven't even opened it. What oh, that's Marshall's handwriting? A letter from the dead. Open it, Ben. Read it to me. You mustn't excite yourself either. When, when was that letter mail? It's uh, postmarked the tenth. It must have been the day before... You'll read, she... read the letter, Ben. All right. Hmm. What what does it say, Ben? Read it. Um, Why, well, it says, um... Dear Ben, this is to remind you of the opening at the Broadhurst tonight. I hope you will be there because, um... I sincerely believe that this is one of the greatest roles I have ever played, and and I'm so anxious to make good in it because of Father's faith in me. She... She cared. She really cared. What I thought. Sure she did. She'd have been proud of your performance in there this evening, too, Pop. You were great. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Oh. Doctor! Doctor! Oh, Well, that's that. He was quite an actor in his day, wasn't he? Yes. Quite an actor. How, How is he, How's he doing? Uh-huh. What did he say? Did he say anything He's dead. I've got a letter here that will explain everything. It's a pity I didn't find it sooner. I haven't had the dinner suit on since the night of Marsh's opening fell out of my pocket when I leaned over the bed in there. It was written by Marcia The
1: Today she died.
3: Marcia. Says, Ben, I'm bored, tired, hurt, sick, full of nasty things. I'd stay a while longer, but death seems easier and simpler than life. What are a few pills, more or less, to one who has swallowed so much? Take care of father. He liked you the best for the last time, Marcia. Suicide. Suicide note. But what about the bullets? Can't you guess? The old man worshipped her. She was his star. But stars don't commit suicide. Only failures do that. So he fired three bullets into her dead body, slashed the painting, and wrecked the place to make it look like a crime of passion. He must have been mad at oh, he was saying. I think he really saw her as murdered by all of us her so-called friends who had let her down when she needed them most. Do you realize that that old barnstormer was playing his death scene from the moment he came into this room tonight? He'd rehearsed it in his bedroom for days, sharpening away at Macbeth's old toad stabber. He had his lines down pat. He staged this elaborate set scene this evening and killed himself in such a way that we'd all be raked over the coals, not only for Marsh's murder, but
1: for his own as well. Well, it was a lovely piece of old-fashioned mining, but as fruitless of drama as I ever had the misfortune to witness. You're right, O'Shea. Blot was full
3: of holes. We could have helped him a lot with the construction, but it was a great last night...
2: Doctor's Blood, written and narrated by Ben Hecht and starring Frederick March. Tonight's study in Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear.
1: Have you discovered, as thousands have, how much Roma wines add to the enjoyment of your meals? How their superb flavor makes special occasion feasts out of everyday meals? Well, find out for yourself. Start off the meal with that delightful appetizer, Roma California Sherry. Then place on the table a well-chilled bottle of Roma California table wine. Delicate sauterne, hearty burgundy, or tart, tasty claret. You'll be amazed at the tremendous difference Roma wine makes in the enjoyment of your foods. Don't overlook this easy, inexpensive way to add thrilling, extra enjoyment of everyday living. Remember, Roma wines cost only pennies a glass. Take a tip from the millions who enjoy Roma wines at meals when entertaining. Ask for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, America's largest selling wine. Made in California, for enjoyment throughout
2: the world. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Mr. Brian Donlevy, a star of Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A,
1: made in California, for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: Hello, everybody. Foggy Jack here, one more time. I just wanted to tell you guys a little bit about um, what I've been working on behind the scenes, and I also love to write. And if you guys could do me a favor, go over to Wattpad and search Foggy Jack 13, and you're going to find all of my stories that I have written. Dealing with demons, well, f. That is what gay feels like. Something's in my head. Which is a continuous story that usually gets a new part every day. And my brand new one, I Have Mice in My Head. Please, if you could help me, go check those out over on Wapad. The link is in the bio. Thank you. You've seen him on YouTube, Instagram, and even live. But you've never seen Foggy Jack quite like this. Foggy Jack, a rainbow Halloween is a special production for the Idaho Halloween and Horror Convention. Foggy Jack has broken the mold with this one. Come and discover why the shock-bizarre mental mentalist sucker punched a leprechaun and stole his rainbow. Confetti will fly, colors will shine, and Halloween will get blasted in the face with insert innuendo here. Foggy Jack will make sure you walk away saying something good about the show. This is a colorful show you won't want to miss. And remember, this is only happening at the Idaho Halloween and Horror Convention, taking place August 12th through 14th in Boise, Idaho. Don't be a square, be there. Why is it ABBA every time? Thank you guys for listening to this episode